If you've got your Bibles, go to Philippians chapter 4. Uh, we're still in Philippians. I'm going to start out this morning. I want to just go on and read. We're going to be in uh, verses 6 through 9 this morning. And what I want to do is I want to read through the text first, and then we'll, we'll just dive in. So um, if you would go with me there, Philippians chapter 4, and then we'll start in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, and whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there's anything worth praise, think on such things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you so far for the morning that we've had, the worship that we've had, the songs we've sung, the things we've been able to hear and be a part of, Father. I pray that you would be with us as we open the word here this morning. And God, I have zero ability to relay spiritual truth unless you go before me. And as we sang this morning, Father, God, I pray that you would go before us in this text, that you would go before us in these moments, that the things that we learn here would bring honor to your name, enlighten our hearts, encourage us, and challenge us. We love you in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray all this. Amen. So, um, as you read the text here, the first thing you see out of the gate is we're, we're continuing, if you're a guest here, what we're doing, we've been going through the entire uh, book of Philippians. We're going verse by verse. This is called exegetical preaching. This is go- we're going through the word and letting each verse speak for itself. And so we're, we're seeing the next thing that's in the text here. And, and remember, this is in context of what did he tell you in the beginning of Philippians 4? Rejoice always, and again I say rejoice. And so we see this next thing in the text. He says, don't be anxious about anything. And that's a word for everybody here in the room this morning. Everyone in 2023 in America needs to hear, don't be anxious about anything. Amen? Amen? So uh, anxiety, or the anxiety disorders that happen in our world today, commonly known as mental health concerns, those are, those are the, that's the hot buzzword of the day. Um, there's over 40 million adults in America who have been clinically diagnosed with some type of anxiety disorder. Meanwhile, approximately 7% of children ages 3 through 7 experience issues with anxiety each year. So that's, we're talking, this is just clinically proven. This isn't people that just don't talk about it. There's a lot of people that don't talk about the anxieties and the worries and the stresses that they have in the world today. Um, Most people develop symptoms of anxiety before they're 21 according to the 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 experts that are out there so our to say that our world is filled with worry is an understatement um i I find it interesting i've just seen oh even in the last week people have put uh, their american flags upside down outside of their houses and we 
You know what that means. If, if your flag is upside down, that is a sign of, distru- uh, of distress or, or concern. And, and our world, amen, is filled with reasons to be anxious. Like, have you, have you looked at the news this week? There's lots of reasons to be anxious, worried, scared, concerned, or whatever words you want to put in the blank there that talks about the idea of anxiety. So, so to say that this kind of thing is not serious is not a wise thing. So as, as a pastor, I would never say, hey, listen, we shouldn't, we shouldn't worry. We shouldn't concern. You're, you being worried, is, that's foolishness. Well, that would be foolishness of me to say that. That would be a fool thing to say. It is serious. And I, and I do think that worry and anxiety are a real thing. But what I think the bulk of the... Here's also what I think is the bulk of the things that you and I worry about aren't things that we should worry about. They're just not. The bulk of the things that your pastor has worried about are probably not things that are going to matter in 10,000 years. This is one of the questions that, that my wife and I often ask each other. Is it going to matter in 10,000 years? Is it going to matter what we're doing here? Does it matter what you're worried about in 10,000 years? Does it matter? Um, the bulk of the issues that we have in our lives are not worthy to be worried about. And we, we fail to come to the feet of... And here's what the idea of anxiety is. When we, when we place anxiety or worry out in front of things, it, 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 yes, it's serious, but the bulk of the time uh, our, with our concerns, the reason we are stressing, we are worrying as Christians, because most of the time we don't bring those concerns to the feet of our precious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't follow the scripture with the idea of worry and anxiety. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things that you may have peace. In the world there is tribulation. So listen. Even Jesus recognizes in this life, in this world, there's going to be tribulations, there's going to be trials, there's going to be problematic issues that are laid out in front of us. So the Word of God tells us that there's going to be trouble. But we've got to keep going in the text. That that's, we can't just cherry pick things and say, well, Caleb, the Bible said it, there's going to be trouble, so I'm going to go over here and I'm going to wring my hands and worry. Well, what does Jesus say? But take heart... I have overcome the world. God has, all throughout the text, told us over and over again that He's overcome. He's overcome. He's overcome. Did you know that over 365 times in the Bible, it says, do not fear, or do not be afraid, or fear not. Over 365 times. I don't think that's a coincidence. I just, I just don't. God tells us not to be afraid. He's Listen, Jesus has given you and I the remedy for fear. Jesus has given you and I the remedy for anxiety or worry or concern. And so what I want us to do this morning from the text as we read Philippians chapter 4 is I want us to see all this stuff in the text. That God is going before us. That it, there is an angel army that God has placed in front of us encamped about our troubles as believers. Those that are in Christ, you don't have to worry. So what does Paul say? First thing out of the gate. Do not be anxious about anything. 
John MacArthur says about this verse that when we fret and worry, this is an indication of our lack of trust in God's wisdom, sovereignty, and power. Delighting in God and meditating on God's word are a great remedy for anxiety. That's, that's good, amen? I, I wish I had said that, but I hadn't. I, I just quoted it. And, and listen, it's not, just, it's not just a great quote. It's the truth. Worry is, in essence, telling God, I don't trust you. I don't trust you, God. You're, you're not really, you, don't really don't, you really don't have my best interest at heart, God. That's what anxiety and worry do. When you worry and ang- have anxiety, you're t- in essence telling God, I, I don't know if you've got everything figured out. And that's, that's a fool's errand to say. And now, I know we're smart enough in the room not to actually physically say it, but man, our actions say otherwise. Amen? Amen? Don't we worry? Yeah, we worry. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. Now remember, this is Jesus talking. Don't be anxious about your life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on your body. Is is life not more than food? Is the body not more than clothing? So Jesus, in essence, takes right here in this one verse and covers everything that most of us worry about. Listen, there's some of you sitting here today. Man, what are we going to have for lunch? What are we going to do for dinner? What are we going to do for food? What are we going to do? I'm just, man, I'm thinking about what I want to have next. We're, we're worried about what's next. And, and Jesus pretty much takes care of all these things. God says, listen, you don't have to worry about these things. You don't have to worry about the, the food you're going to put in, the ma- in your mouth, where you're going to find your next drink. You're not going to have to worry about the clothes that you're going to put on your body. I'm going to bar- provide these things for you. I will take care of all of your needs. Now, listen, he didn't say take care of all your wants. Amen? Wants and needs are two different things. There's a lot of things I want, but listen, there's a lot of those things I want, I probably don't need. Because if I got the things I wanted, it'd probably blow up into my face. Anybody else? Couple, okay, just a couple of you. He continues in verse 26 in Matthew chapter 6, and he says, look, look at the birds of the air. Neither they sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father, he feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? So Jesus is in essence saying, listen, the birds, I'm taking care of the birds. Uh-uh, they don't worry about where they're going to get their food. But I feed them. But guess what? You're more valuable than they are. Take a look at this, guys. You're more valuable than the birds. That, that's Christ is asking the audience here, listen, do you not understand that I, I love you more than I love the birds? You're of more value, and I still take care of the birds. Just think how much more I'll take care of my kids. Like, uh, listen, I got a side note here. Um, when society, listen, because this is, I, I just, we have to say this because um, it's just the world we live in. But when society values animals more than we value human beings, that's when you know that the culture has totally gone off the rails and is racing at breakneck speed towards total and utter annihilation if you just listen if you destroy an eagle's egg 
It carries a fine of $100,000 and a sentence of up to one year in federal prison. Not, not a jail. I'm talking federal prison, felony, $100,000 charge if you destroy an eagle's egg. But if you murder a child in the womb, you're applauded by society and told that you're brave, you're a hero, you're a powerful woman. You, you, that's, that's sick. You get a $100,000 fine and a, up to a year in federal prison for destroying an egg. An egg. When I was in Houston a couple of years ago, um, they told us, listen, there's a point in which there's this, there's this frog on this thing. And if you, just, if you even step across its path, you have the potential of being in prison for 10 years because it's an endangered species. A frog. But you kill a baby in the womb... What? You're applauded. Told you're amazing, brave, heroic. Oh. When a culture values animals' lives more than humans' lives, this is how you know that evil is running unchecked. And Jesus just said in the text, human beings are more valuable than animals. Listen, I'm pro... Listen. I, th- I got a dog I like, Charlie. But I'm going to promise you this. If it comes to Charlie's life or my kids' lives, I'm choosing my children's lives every time. Every time. Now listen, I like my dog. But I love my kids. I love my kids. So I'm going to go with what the Savior says rather than what Peter says. Amen? That, that's just it. And listen, I know we got some cattle farmers in here. Thank you. I love that cheeseburger. Not one amen on that one? Come on. Got a couple of you. All right, I'm going to step off my soapbox. Back on the sermon here. All right, let's go back in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. Now, this is, this, remember, this is Jesus talking in Matthew. He says, And which one of you, by being worried or anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? This is a very pointed question for all of us in the room today. By worrying or being anxious about whatever you're anxious about, Will that worry fix it? Will you being worried fix your problem? Will you being worried, will that add an extra hour to your life? The answer is no. Worry is exhausting. It's exhausting. And it brings actually more, no resolution, but it actually what it does bring is it brings, quite to the contrary, it might not add to your life, but it could sure cause you to be sick. How many of you guys have worried yourself so much you caused yourself to be sick? Anybody in the room? I have. I'll be, I'm going to be honest and tell you, I have. I've worried myself to where my stomach is in knots and I get worried. The scripture says don't do that to yourself. Don't worry yourself. Don't worry about it. I, I, I'm not going to drop God's word in favor of what some think tank has come up with. We live in a culture that is one of the most depressed and worried generations in all times, and we think we're the smartest generation of all. Like, listen, I've said, you sit down and talk to a 20-something-year-old, man, they are genius, they think. Can you, can, you tell a, can you tell a 19-year-old much, anybody? You can tell them, but you can't tell them much. How do I know? Because I once was 19. You couldn't tell me anything. I was smarter than anybody in the room. I was a fool. 
And the older I get, the more I realize that we've got a, a wealth of knowledge in our older generation. You young bucks that are in here, get a hold of some older people and get some wisdom from these folks. Amen? Get some wisdom from these older folks. Because they've lived life longer than you have. They know things that you don't know. I, I'm, I just, listen, I'm not going to sit up and listen to some think tank that says, okay, well, you, you, we've got mental health issues and we've got this and we've got this, so all we're going to do is we're going to sit here and we're going to think about it and worry and worry and worry. No, God's word says, can you add an extra second to your life by worrying? No, you can't. You can't do it at all. We've dropped the ball on our mental health because we've dropped the Word of God from our lives. And what we need to do is we need to pick up the Word of God and get it in front of us. And we need to stop doing some navel gazing and we need to get our eyes fixed on Jesus as the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one who handles all the things. Listen, He's not up in heaven going, Oh gosh, Russia and Ukraine. Oh gosh, the financial state of the world. Holy Spirit, you got something for me? Jesus. And he, he's not doing that. In fact, the scripture says he laughs at those who try to do silly things like this in the world. We've dropped the ball on our mental health because we've dropped the word of God from our lives. All right, back to Philippians 4. Flip back over to Philippians 4. Let's look back at verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but by everything... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Listen, I know we say it in the rooms like this, but I'm telling you, prayer changes things. Prayer changes lives. Anybody in the room had prayer change your life? Come on. We, we've, we're called here to bring everything to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer. The word supplication here is the meaning of humbly bringing our requests in an almost begging stance. Almost a, a groveling begging stance to have God move. When's the last time you begged God to move in your life? When is the last time that you begged God to move in the life of your family? Well, Caleb, I, you know, I'm just trying to work my networking things. I'm trying to do, I got some money. I got some influence. I got some power. I got this. I got that. I got this. The reason the church in the book of Acts had so much power is because they didn't have any of that. They didn't have power and influence and a social network and all this other stuff. They had Jesus and that's all they needed. Amen. And when you've got Jesus, that's all you need. You don't need anything else. You don't need anything else. When's the last time you came before the Lord Jesus Christ in a humbled stance saying, God, please move. God, I know that there's no way that I can figure out how this works. I don't know. I, it's all a mess. Everything's a mess in my life, God. But I know that you're strong enough. Nothing's out of your sovereign hand. Nothing's out of sovereign control. God, you're in charge. God, help. God, move. When's the last time you did that? And we see in the next text that, in the verse 7, when we do bring these things before the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 7, 
What happens to us when we bring our worry, when we bring our anxiety, when we bring our concerns, when we bring our fears to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ? What happens? Verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, this morning. The Lord Jesus Christ will guard the peace in your heart when you solely focus on Him. When you solely and utterly bring all your focus in on Christ is sufficient, Christ is sovereign, Christ is powerful, He's my Father, guess what? He brings peace back in align with us. And that's the ultimate problem in anxiety is that peace is stolen from us by anxiety and worry. But when we focus on Him, all that disappears. Let's look at verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. All the things that's mentioned in that, all the things that are mentioned in that text come directly from God Himself. When you think about whatever is true, the truth of God, whatever is honorable, Justice, purity, love, commendableness, excellency. All of these things come from God himself. And it's summed up in praise at the end of that. It's summed up in praise. When we praise the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a weapon that cannot be defeated. The devil, listen, the the devil may have power in this world, but you have authority in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have authority. Not because of anything you've been given, but you have authority because of who Christ is. In Judges chapter 1, you can just mark this and go read this. In Judges chapter 1, verses 1 through 10, it talks about a man named Adonai Bezak, which means Lord Lightning. This man was responsible for cutting off the thumbs and the big toes of 70 kings. And chaining these 70 kings under his table and making them beg for food. These were 70 sovereigns. These were 70 kings. They had all the power in the world. Just as Christ, just as you and I do in Christ when we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. But those 70 sovereigns were humiliated and made to be defenseless under the table of the enemy. Adonai Bezak was a form of Satan. He knew just how to keep those 70 men in check. How do you wield a sword if you don't have a thumb? You can't. Not with any real power. You might be able to grip it somewhat, but you can't wield unless you've got to be able to to wield a, a sword, you've got to be able to hold it with that thumb. And Adonai Bezak, the form of Satan, knew that if he could take these 70 kings and cut their thumbs off, they can't wield the sword. They're defenseless. How do you stand and balance yourself if you don't have a big toe? If you took off your big toe right now, 
you're going to have a hard time walking. Your big toe does a lot of balancing, keeps you where you can keep your stance in there. You got your, you're able to, to move and maneuver because of that big toe. If you took off your big toe, you can't stand or withstand an attack. You're going to get knocked over every single time. And the enemy knows that. You cannot withstand an attack with, with your feet not planted firmly. This is right where Satan wants most Christians, defenseless against the enemy. We, listen to me, if you're in Christ, you have authority over Satan. We know that this is, uh, we, here, this isn't, you and I, we know this. When you hear, oh, I've got authority over Satan. You know what we do? We sit in there, we nod our heads, and we say, yes and amen, yes and amen, yes and amen. We know these things. We know that we have authority, but we don't really believe it. We know, but we don't really believe it. Where do you find your power? In Judges chapter 1, verses 1 through 10, the idea there is it says Judah. Judah in verse 2 it says, The Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given the land into his hand. So there was this guy named Judah. You know what Judah means? Judah means praise before the trial. Judah means praise. So the Lord sent praise to go up. And behold, I have given the land into his hands. Praise shall go up and you'll take the land. You have power in your praise of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have power praise in your mouth and you have authority in your mouth when his kids praise him when the children of god praise the lord jesus christ there's power in that praise and the enemy can do nothing to stand against that that's the reason the text there says the lord said judah shall go up praise shall go up behold i have given the land into his hands oh you say, okay, what do I do with all, what do you do with that information? Well, go back to Philippians 4 and verse 9. Verse 9 tells us to practice these things, and God will be with us. Verse 9 What you have learned, and what you have received, and what you have heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Man, listen, most of us in the room, we ain't practicing what God tells us to do. Most of us in the room aren't practicing these things. We're not focused. Listen, the scripture says, finally, brothers, focus on these things. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, whatever's excellent. If there's anything worthy of praising, think on those things. And then verse 9 says, hey, by the way, Practice these things. You've seen it. You've seen it done. Why don't you practice it? Practice these things. Practice these things. You got trials in your life. You got anxiety in your life. You got worry in your life. The scriptures say, do not be anxious about anything. That covers everything. I don't know if you know, everything is Greek for everything. Just saying. You got trials. What would it look like if you focused in on Christ rather than the circumstance? Rather than going, oh God, 
I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how the world's going to make it. I don't know how my kids are going to make it. I don't know how my grandkids are going to make it. Instead of doing that, what if you came to the Lord Jesus Christ saying, God, I know you're sovereign. I know you're the king. I know you're in charge of all things. God, I praise you. I am in awe of who you are. And God, I know you're with me. Psalms 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear some evil. Oh, is that? Wait, that's not what that says. That must be the message version. I'm sorry. Hang on. Let me go back here. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'm awesome? No. Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they bring comfort to me. That rod and that staff is the rod of correction and the rod uh, that guards you and protects you. That brings me comfort. Even when I'm walking through a valley of absolute, utter, and total death, I don't fear evil. Why? Because God goes before me. God goes before me. Listen to me. Some of you have had your thumbs and your toes cut off by the enemy. And you're not wielding your authority the way you should. Don't let the devil cut off your thumbs and your toes. Be ready to stand firm because God is with you. God is present. Why don't you start, instead of sitting around, oh, worry, oh, concern, what would it look like if we started praising the name of Jesus? What would it look like if we started saying, Jesus, I know that the world looks nuts. I don't know what you're doing, but God, but I know what you've done. And what you've done is more than sufficient to take care of where I am today. Don't let the devil cut off your thumbs. Don't let the devil cut off your toes. Be ready to stand firm in praise because God has won the victory. Because God has won the victory. Now listen to me. I want you guys to hear me on this. You're not, listen. I've always heard people, oh, we're fighting for victory, Caleb. We've got we to fight for victory. No, hogwash. God's already won the battle. The war has been won. We're fighting from a position of victory. You're not fighting for victory. Jesus already won. You're fighting from victory, not for victory. Because Christ already did it. Amen? Amen? That's the truth. That's the honest truth right there. 